welcome to the newest podcast in the Last Choice Network of Podcasts. I'm here, I'm Ender, this is my co-host, James, we all know him, we all love him, we all can't stand him. And you didn't let me finish. You <laughs> jumped. More. You jumped into it. You jumped right into jumped it. Jumped the gun. And I, I don't think we have a name for this podcast yet, but it's going to be our TV reviews, and this one specifically is going to be around House of the Dragon, the new Game of Thrones. I am very happy for Game of Thrones or some Game of Thrones like show to be back. James, how do you feel about it? uh i'm stoked i loved game of thrones listen i know that people have their opinions on the final episode and the final season yada 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 i have come to the acceptance in television as a lost fan specifically and a few other shows that if a show goes more than a couple of seasons you are just not going to get a good ending it's just it's not possible so i just accept it and i try to be excited about the journey that i'm going to take on these uh shows and i'm with you i couldn't be more excited to have a game of thrones show back i think they did it right it's of course it's got a couple of actors in there that i'm super excited to see and to have good roles so uh you know i i think it, it started out with a bang and yeah like so that's I'm what we're gonna excited. get into today we're gonna get into episode season one episode one called the heirs of the dragon and just give you kind of how we're gonna how we're gonna do this podcast we're gonna kind of give our overall thoughts in the beginning of what we thought about the episode as a whole how everything flowed how we felt the episode did if we liked it if we didn't like it and then we're gonna try to go and i know we may not hit every scene but we're gonna go through kind of scene by scene and try to just give our opinions on what's happening how we felt uh, just kind of review each one that's going on and hopefully um, give some insight where insights do. Now, I am not a Game of Thrones like buff. Like I don't like I know some of these people are into Westeros and know everything. So if you're here for like all the history and everything behind it, this isn't the place for you unless, James, you secretly know everything about Westeros. No, I, I know pretty decent amount, but uh, I definitely, you know, I. The problem is, is going down that let's add all the lore and let's go into yeah. every little detail. There are people already out there that are doing that better than us. They've, they're nailing it. Right. So there's no sense. In, so in here is just going to be our opinions and what we think about it. Now, the one thing we're not going to do is we're not going to look at any real rumors or any spoilers for the future. And we're also not going to be going into the what's next part of the episode so if you watch game of thrones if you watch uh what they do normally at the end of their credits they have like the next episode and what's about it we're not going to do that we're just going to go into the next episode and what we think on there we're also not going to spoil anything with the rumor mills that are out there or anything like that but we're going to give our guesses we're going to give our guesses but it's not going to be like let's go down the reddit thread and see what everyone's saying it's like what we think what we think about it and if 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 you like fan fiction, by all means, go and read it because Game of Thrones has tons of it. And I am sure House of the Dragons is going to have it as well, especially after these first two episodes. So Correct. let's just get right into it. James, what did you think about the first House of the Dragon episode? Now, in all fairness, I watched this very late. 
I was pretty tired. Oh boy, but we're I had starting a buddy. good. I had a, I had, no, but I had a buddy in town, and he's a big Game of Thrones. He was a big Game of Thrones fan. Uh, he lives up in the Boston area, so we don't obviously we don't see each other very often. Um, he had, just happened to be in town for the night, so he's like, "Hey, let's put on that, that episode came out tonight." So I was like, "Oh, sweet!" So we finally got to watch you know some TV together. And man, this episode at some points I was like, "Wow, this is a really long." This is a really long episode. Yeah, um, it, it was. It, it was a long. Lo- it was an hour and what fifteen? I think. Yeah, something like that. I I don't want to say that I felt bored, and it might just be that I was tired and I was ready for it to end. But I was ready for it to end not because I felt like they drug it out. I was ready for it to end because I was like, "Give me a second to like digest the first like thirty minutes of just stuff you've just thrown at me." They put so much information into this first episode, I thought, that it was like, I almost, I had to watch it twice because I needed to, I was like, wait, what What happened? Are these people, like, I know it's, what, 175 years, I think. Well, it's uh, 172 years before Daenerys was born. Okay, before she was born. So yep. I, I was and just And nine like, years into the these? current king's reign. Correct, yeah. So it was just a lot. I, I was like, wait, wait. Let me just understand everything that's happening. And as you start to feel like you're putting it together, they threw more at you. So, I mean, the whole yeah, brother I had a whole arc in this whole in this entire <laughs> first episode. Yeah, Dam- Damon had a Damon had an entire arc. In yeah. This so was- we'll kind of get into the characters and who they are and um, uh, who Damon is and Viserys and uh, uh, Renee or Raya, however you want to say her name. I saw that's the one I struggle with the most. Um. But we had a lot and we had a I, I, I definitely feel could feel through this episode how much more of a budget they had. It was huge budget. It was a huge budget. And you, you get into it. And in this one, it's House of the Dragons. You see the dragons and you could just tell like this wasn't an afterthought. The CG was on point. Um, I thought my favorite thing in this whole thing was going back to all the old places that we knew and seeing them like not disheveled, not broken. Yeah. And they're in like, cause like you have one upshot of, of Dragonstone where you get to see it in its light where before we saw it, like basically burnt down and broken. And now you're seeing these places that we already knew, but in their heyday, um, so I thought that was really awesome. I thought the cast was phenomenal. I did um, read, um, and we we can dive into this a little bit later, but I don't want to dismiss the fact you brought up the CG yeah. and the the budget of the set. I read an interview with Millie Millie Alcock or Alcock. Al- Alcock, that, yeah. So that's that's uh, Princess Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra, um, yep. So she said, you know, coming from some other TV show that she had come from. Uh, she had never been on a set that was million, multi-million dollars worth they of build. They had $50 million also, more dollars to do this yeah, episode than and, any, all the other ones. And then also, um, the writing of the dragons. Back in Game of Thrones, they did obviously some basic green screen work, and the actors hated it. They, they didn't like anything yeah. about it. She said that they've changed it. Now they, they do a different way of doing it, which is a way that they learned thanks to The Mandalorian. 
So they actually project everything behind them and around them so the people pretending to ride on these dragons actually know when to duck and dodge and dive and feel like they're on the dragon more so yeah. than they ever got to do in Game of Thrones. So I thought that that was really interesting that they've really, really upped their their level on, on that kind of stuff. Well, I think they definitely had to um, just from the popularity and what they're going to get. And uh, I would have to definitely say that th- this episode didn't disappoint. I do agree with you. It threw a lot at you. Um, it also, one of the interesting things in this episode, I, I couldn't pick out who was like the main protagonist. Who's my main character? Every single person felt like I could be following them through the story because you really got these arcs. Now, you would assume that um, Princess Rhaenyra is going to be one of the main, the king's going to be the main, but... Damon, you know, the brother got a good arc and then Corliss got a great arc who was part of that. The The council was very involved. One of the things I hated about Game of Thrones was like it never felt like the council did anything. And here you get yeah, there very- was only like one season when um, Tyrion was on it that you got more. Yeah, of but it always felt like small council. And that's because the king was never there. Yeah. So here it just feels like, like you're actually getting to feel different things. And, and let's kind of get into the 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 meat of it and go through it uh scene by scene so we can kind of talk about one of the, some of the things that we're generalizing right now um the opening was unique it wasn't a standard game of thrones opening you didn't have the crazy credits and the dialogue and all the different kind of stuff now the music the music and i loved that they teased the music they did subtly through the entire yeah, episode it was it sounded this close, but like in a different key or something Correct. was just different with it. Yeah. It was like, you, it was like, you just kept every time you would hear it subtly in the background. Like to me, they, they, I'm glad that they, and we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, you know, as, as we're recording this late. So obviously we've seen both episodes. They start the second episode with that. I'm glad that game of Thrones or the house of dragons or whatever they're going to do any project. It seems like that is the theme music, you know, when star yeah. Wars starts, that's the theme music, a Marvel movie starts. That's the, I'm glad that they've embraced it and they didn't try to change. Yeah. It. So, but that, with I this one, this one, they started with a voiceover Correct. game of yeah, Thrones right does too. not do voiceovers like, mm-hmm. and they get like right into it. Style. Yeah. And they get into it and it, um, I I want to think that it was Princess Renera, but her older that's speaking here because it's not Millie Alcock that's doing the voiceover here. It's definitely an older woman. Yes, and, and then she says I, like, "You're good." I mean, you could say who it is. No, I don't. I don't know who it is. It's you Emma know, Dar- but, Darcy. And Darcy. Do you know, I didn't know this until today, and it it's really made me nervous for the show for myself. Um, I didn't know that about halfway through this season that Millie Alcock's out and they're going to switch actresses. So yeah, we found that out. And again, that's kind of like a spoiler. So let's try not to do that. But that's later. But I, no, but that, I'm saying that's a well-known thing. It's a well-known thing now. At, yeah. If you looked at anything, yeah. um, they weren't trying to hide that. They were no. I didn't look at any, any, because she, any, in this, so we'll kind of get into that piece here of kind of what happens. Maybe you can calm my nerves. Cause I'm yeah. a little upset. Cause I can't imagine having like 
Arya Stark, who I liked at the beginning, even as a little kid, I thought she was awesome. And then like all of a sudden they're going to come back. Yeah. A season. So and let's be just like, oh, switch it. Let's just say like kind of what we get in the opening. So in the opening, we get a lot of background like they come in and they're like, you know what? We have to set this scene for what is going on. Um, so you actually start this episode with um, King Jahara to uh, J- I can't even remember his Jaharis, I think is what it is. Targaryen who has failing health and he doesn't have an heir. So both of his sons, so he had two sons, both of his sons have passed for some reason. We don't know what those reasons are. They didn't say in there, but he ends up having to call a great council and the great council now needs to decide who his heir is going to be. And there's 14 claims but only two had like a true claim to the throne that they took seriously. The first one is, um, let me double check and make sure I get this correct. The first one is the princess Rhaenyra's, Rhaenyra's, um, who is his firstborn son's daughter. The second one that has claim to the throne is Prince Visari's. And that's the second son's first son. And they bring this council in. So they bring all of the lords from across the land come in to vote. And they vote on Prince Vasaris to be the next in line. And that's kind of where we pick up this. The story is nine years in to his reign. 172 years before princess Daenerys is born. Yes. And, um, so one of the 172 years before Daenerys, Daenerys, Daenerys Daenerys Targaryen is born. Yeah. Which is what we all know from Danny from yeah, Danny from game of Thrones. So I thought this was really cool way to start it. Give us some background history and also very pointed at, the way that they said like no woman, they couldn't vote for a woman to be on the throne, even though Mm -hmm. she had more of a claim to it because she was from the firstborn son line. Correct. Yeah. And I think that's going to stick throughout this entire series here as we talk more into it, especially this first episode, as we kind of get into like what's happening there and what's about to happen. Um, so that's the opening scene. I thought it was really cool. And I'm really glad they gave me that backstory because I would have been so confused <laughs> on like what's going on there. And if you see the book here, I got all my show notes written down because I can't remember anything. <laughs> so then we jump across into um, our first look at the land in a dragon riding scene. Which they they ripped the bandit off. They're like, we're not going to tease the dragons no. like Game of Thrones. We're going right into it. It's called House of the Dragon, and they are going. We did right not have to wait into long. showing you what a dragon looks like. And I I think they nailed that opening scene. Yeah. So in this scene, basically, you see Princess Rhaenyra flying her dragon over King's Landing, and. It was amazing at like how normal 
it felt like if there was a dragon flying over King's Landing and Game of Thrones, people have been looking up. They'd have been scared. They'd have been nervous. This was just like another day out of her flying this dragon. And man, it was a beautiful scene of her flying. It was really cool to see King's Landing again. Um, well, I like I, I do like how they you can't tell who's writing it for a while. Ender. No, you can't. You can't. The opening scene, you don't know who's riding the dragon. It could just be a dragon flying. You can't really. You can see like somebody's on top of it, and you can see like the blonde hair um, at that. So you knew it was kind of there. Like you kind of had an idea that it was a Targaryen. Yeah, obviously, they give you this Danny. They give yeah, you this Danny like, vibe. remnants of Danny vibe to it. Yeah, they, um, did, they did very well. So then she lands the dragon, and we go into kind of the first time we've seen, um the dragon pits like being used because in game of thrones, again, they were just um, where all the dead skulls were and remnants and more of a, I would say like a, a worship place for the Targaryens to go uh, where all the dragons had died. And we find out the first dragon name is Cyrax is her dragon that Rhaenerys is. She says that to him and the funniest thing of this scene, in my opinion, was when they say almost an big enough to saddle two. The dragon is massive. You can't put another saddle on this thing. Like, how big does this thing have to be to put two saddles on them? Like, and yeah. it was just said with such like normalcy, like we would say about a horse. Yeah. Like, oh, this horse is almost big enough to have two riders on it. Like, no, this is a dragon, a full-size dragon. And they're just like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. I mean, maybe they play into that a little bit on the, maybe it has to do with the, the maneuverability of a dragon or to being able to control the dragon. But they don't I, explain I don't know, anything about see. it. Yeah. It just, it just I'd love made to see if they play off that later. Yeah, me too. And I just like, I was just like, oh, you know, maybe he'll be able to ride too. It's like, okay, I'm, and I'm looking at the picture of it. I'm like, I think we could get another saddle up there if we really tried, guys. Like, I wonder if there's just like a small area on the back that they can put a saddle. Like, I, I don't I don't know. Like, I'm not <laughs> well versed in dragon riding to know, but it was just such a weird statement. Well, you haven't ridden a dragon at the fair? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm afraid of horses. I'm not getting on a dragon. <laughs> no. Man, come on. Um, so anyway, she's riding the dragon and then she gets off the dragon. You kind of see like a young kid who looks like a new dragon keeper. That's super nervous around this dragon. Try to get him into the keep dragon goes into the keep and, um, princess Renera walks over to uh, another character who we don't know who it is yet. We haven't gotten a name. Uh, mm -hmm. turns out to be, um, Emily Carey's character, uh, Alicent, uh, Alicent Hightower, who she walks over, who is definitely her friend. Like we can tell they're definitely friends here yeah. and um, besties. Yeah, they're definitely best friends. And it was really and I really like the next piece that we get into of them kind of taking a carriage ride through King's Landing. They come up to the top and then you see them walk through but I didn't catch it the first time I watched it, but I caught it the second time. They walk right through the map room. Yes. So, with no map, because we're in, these are years of peace. 
mm-hmm. there's no war map on the floor. Everybody's prospering. Like we've always seen King's Landing like war torn. Mm-hmm. And everyone war turned. This is King's Landing in the Red Keep during a prosperous time. And it is gorgeous. Like absolutely gorgeous through the whole thing. And did you catch the other area that they walked through? The other big thing that they showed? Um. So they go through the map room. And then there's another location that they go through. I don't, I don't know how many people caught it. Well, I know a ton of people caught have- it. I may not have caught on to that. They also look up through the tower where the hound and his brother fought at the end. Mm -hmm. So you see the tower back together um, there. And like when I saw them look up, I'm like, oh, man, I remember when that thing was breaking down and the hound and everything were fighting on it. So you get these two iconic locations and you see them in their great wonder. And I, I have to think that that was purposely done that way. Oh, yeah, um, to do that you back. Yep. So you kind of walk through and then. Um, Rhaenyra meets her mother. And I want to say her mother's name's Emma. I don't think you really. I think it, it said like once or twice. And I don't know who the actress is that plays her mother. Um, but I think her character name was Emma. And they have a very interesting conversation. Um, between the two. On one, she tells Rhaenyra she stinks like dragon (laughs) and that she doesn't like the fact that she's riding the dragons while she's pregnant. Her mother is incredibly pregnant and about to have a baby. And they kind of have a conversation of where um, her mom tells her that a woman's duty to the realm is giving birth to children. Yeah, and, and that is uh, C- Sion Brooke, which is Sion Queen. Brooke. Queen, it's Emma, but it's A E M M A. Okay, Aaron, gotcha. So it's a little bit, yeah. But okay, so like their their whole thing is to giving birth to children and to royal children, and that a woman's battlefield is her ro- royal womb. Yeah, and like, it's like it's like, and I'm just sitting here, and I'm like. Okay, if we know anything about Game of Thrones and the history of Game of Thrones, um, unless you're giving birth to a male child, normally no one cares at that point. I hate to say it and sound like that, but that's where we're at. Um, And then I love how Renea goes back. Renea is like, no, I just want to be a dragon rider. I just want to be a warrior. And and I thought immediately this set a great tone for me because... It it played well between Danny and Arya Stark. Um, yeah. Have another young girl yep. where Arya was told, you know, constantly her sister was like, "No, you need to be try to be a queen. You need to be this." And she was like, "No, I want to have a sword. I want to kick some ass." Like, yeah. that's this girl was very much like they're putting that front and center to us. Yeah, so. then they definitely put that right here, and I I just loved her response to her mom of like, "No, I'm gonna ride dragons. I'm gonna go into battle. Like, mm-hmm. th- 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 this isn't for me." Um. But it was nice to see, like, you know, mom and her daughter together and her daughter. And she's very concerned about her mom, like how she's doing everything. And she she bluntly tells her mom there and she's like, yeah, all these people don't care about you. They're just trying to make sure the baby's okay." And we don't know whether or not it's a male heir or not. Um, We have no idea because 
they can't guess that. Um, no, no ultrasounds at this point to be able to tell what's going on. Um, so then we cut to the kind of the next scene here of, I want to, I'm going to say it's the king. Yeah. We're cutting into the King's court really at, at that point of him, uh, basically like eating a hard boiled egg and, uh, just chatting with, with his, with his, the King's council here. Um, and then we first, so we're first meeting these guys and Lord Coralis comes in and he's very concerned about the free cities and this pirate, uh, that we hear is the crab feeder that seems to be taking control of his shipping lanes. And, King Viserys kind of just brushes him off. <coughs> yeah. He doesn't really take him seriously. He doesn't really say anything. And um, when we turn out to find out the uh, hand of the king who's sitting next to him, his name's Otto, Otto Hightower. Um, he's just like, eh, we'll just, we'll just send him some money. Like, okay, people are dying. We're just going to send him some money. Like, we don't really care. Um... And the other thing that we have is Princess Renea coming in and she's the cupbearer. So she's here at the king's court and she's just the cupbearer serving them wine. And uh, she walks up to her father there and she's like, you know, where are you at? The people need their drinks. The cups are empty and you smell like a dragon. So I guess dragons have a very distinct smell because that's twice that they've sniffed this girl. Maybe it's just Targaryens that smell it. I don't know. But I can't imagine anyone during this time smells good. No. <laughs> no. Um, and then we start to get the talk of the tournament. Uh, so he is uh, King Viserys decides. And, and I kind of want to point out that King Viserys blows off the tough conversation that his king's court brings him. Corliss brings him of, you know, possibly needing to do something like battle to talk about a tournament in the name of the child that's not born yet. Correct. Yeah. Kind of going to be a theme with him, in my opinion of like how much he doesn't want to have hard conversations. He doesn't really want to King at that point. No, no, you can tell right away. Yeah. Um, so there's that scene. They kind of go more into just what the tournament's going to be about. And you hear them talk about his brother, Damon. And how Damon is the, I, I guess, the, the head of the Knights. It's not the Knights Watch. The, um, what are they called? It's the Gold Cloaks. The Gold Cloaks. But they're the King's Guard. Sorry, he's the head of the King's Guard there. And you don't see him. He's not there. So there's one empty chair. I don't remember seeing this in Game of Thrones, but I may be off. Does everyone always sit on the one side of the table and only the hand of the king sits on the other? In Game I of Thrones? I believe so. Yeah, I believe Was that so. always how it was? Because that was just very evident in the placement of where they were sitting. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. Like you just have one guy on one side and then there's like six on the other. 
I didn't know if they did that for shooting angles or something, but I, if that was in Game of Thrones, I missed it there. Um, so that's cool. Uh, and now we're moving on. Like this, this episode just bringing stuff at you. Yeah. So we meet Damon, and Damon's doing something very unique, and he's in an area that he probably shouldn't be. Where was Damon, James? Where was Damon he's, at? He's sitting right there on the Iron Throne. I find it interesting that, uh, you know, Rhaenyra uh, goes in there and they're already telling her that, yeah, he came into the keep before before the sun rose or whatever. Yeah. She's like, does my father know he's here? And and they're like, no. <laughs> she's like, she's, she's like, good. But you saw the reaction to the knights, the, the, the guard that's there. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, Sir Harold, um, is his name where he was not happy that Damon was on that throne. Yes. And Renero is just kind of like, Oh, don't worry about it. Just my crazy uncle. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not a big deal. It's just my uncle. He's kind of crazy and kind of sends him away and deescalates a situation where he wasn't happy. Now I kind of got some Jamie vibes here. Remember the first time Ned Stark talks to Jamie Lannister? Jamie Lannister is sitting on the Iron Throne. Mm -hmm. So it was very interesting. And I kind of got that feel of like Ned Stark walking in to talk to Jamie uh, when I first saw it. But then you see like Renera is very happy to see her uncle. Correct. Yeah. And, and, and definitely like reveres her uncle in a way. Um, and we do learn that he is Damon says something very interesting where and they're talking high Valyrian here so like they, the, the Targaryens can speak um, another language high Valyrian which no one else really understands Um, so they kind of have their own way of communicating so even if someone else is around them they can talk to each other and, and no one knows because only royalty i believe in the targaryens get taught that language yes like you have to be very educated to have that that use that language and he says he only came back for his tournament not his brother's baby's tournament yeah. so damon makes it very clear that since his brother doesn't have a male heir and the only child he has is renera that he is next in line. And I think that that goes back to what we were saying of the episode name being the heirs um, of the dragon. So we're trying to figure out who is next in line for this. So now we have Damon. We technically have Renera, but she's a girl. And we've kind of found out beforehand like that doesn't, you know, that doesn't happen. It's, it goes to a male. And we have this baby to be born. And they're at that we we don't know. Um, so then it gets kind of weird here where there's this awkward like tension between them. Maybe I, I read that wrong, but it's like it was almost like a sexual tension between her and her uncle where he's giving her this necklace. And it's, you know, a Valyrian steel necklace that he gives her 
which for the Targaryens is very special to have that steel um, because of dragons and the magic in order to create the steel. Um, but did you feel like, like, I don't know if it was sexual tension or it was sexual. I'll be honest. I didn't get any sexual tension vibes, but I did get the, or was um, it like, I, I want to kill really you. Vibes. Looked, I, yeah, I think it was the more like, I think it, I think she really looks up to her uncle to an extent because he doesn't treat her like a little princess, but he also has the advantage that he doesn't have to treat her like a little princess. Correct. So it's almost like he's constantly teasing in front of her that he could be the next heir and it's just going to leapfrog her no matter what the situation is. But she still has this like, well, we'll just have to wait and see about that. Attitude. Yeah. And I guess that's that, that explains it more. It's kind of like a, you know, uh, a sieve, uh, uh, and I guess just a little rivalry that they have. Correct. Yeah, and I would say more. And, and, and they love, have this like a love, love hate, hate relationship. relationship. But I, but Matt Smith plays this character wonderfully. Damon wonderfully. Like like Matt Smith I'm, does a great job I'm here. I'm super excited about Matt Smith being Damon. Uh, I yeah. don't care if he turns. You know, he turns out to be the biggest villain of them all in this entire show. Um, for those that may recognize him, not really sure where to place it. He was one of the best doctors in the Doctor Who series. Uh, he was the guy that brought made bow ties. Uh, cool. Oh yeah, bow ties are cool. And his his fez hat. Um, yeah. So I'm super stoked. And it is true. Like he has really brought some uh, attitude to this character. And it's very evident that the acting is... is yeah, is his just right swagger and feel in the in the beginning of this, that this scene right here... Um, I really liked it. Again, I, I think there was some, there was definitely tension between the two of them. Um, but, you know, a rivalry, I think, is more there. And then they know the playful banter between the two. Um, then we move on to King Viserys with uh, Queen Emma. Or actually, no, I'm sorry. We get a little, um, a little tease of her and Alicent. I jumped ahead there of her and Alicent in the Godswood. Um, so another beautiful scene here in the Godswood between the two. Now, these two are definitely from the scene, really good friends. They, 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 you can tell they're really good friends, maybe more than friends um, from the Renera point of view. Cause she basically just tells her, I want to ride around on my dragon with you, travel the world and eat cake. Like that's all yeah, she wants Ray, to do. Ray, it looks like Rhaenyra is really into her. Yeah, it definitely does. And as we'll learn with the Alicent character, as we go forward and especially in, in this episode, um, Alicent is very good at playing the character she needs to play with the people she's with at that time. She knows what to say, when to say it. She knows when to be quiet. She plays the lady incredibly well. And there was an, uh, there was a interview between Millie Alcock and Emily Carey. Um, Emily Carey is a queer woman and Millie Alcock was just like I'm absolutely like in love with her in general as friends outside so I think their relationship together outside of this scene 
bringing it into this scene is even playing more off to this relationship you feel like they have at least I from agree, the yeah. Renera point of view because they are good friends outside and they definitely uh like each other and acting with each other being in the same scenes so again here's another one where just great casting bringing these people together and you really feel what they're feeling like these two young ladies in the god's mm-hmm. woods trying to study for their studies and you know Renera wants nothing to do with it allison's trying to study and she's just questioning her so she doesn't get in trouble and then Renera answers all of her questions perfectly yeah it, and again, knows everything this, to me this is another throwback to a to a um, Arya Stark type situation Knows where they'd be the like, history. you need to learn these things. You need to learn these things. And she's like, I don't want, I don't care about those things. I want to practice with a sword. And then finally she's just fed up and she's like, do fine. Ask me the questions. And she just rattles off yeah. all the answers. And you saw the exact same thing here with uh, Princess uh, Rhaenyra. So uh, yeah. I found that again, another nod to that type of character that I think most of the people really, really loved back in the day. Yeah, and I and I, I do think it's kind of awesome that you are getting these characters that we liked before. We're getting teased, but we still don't know where they're gonna take them because they like Game of Thrones could completely flip. We have no idea. Um, so after we get that short little scene there between them, um, we get uh the classic. <laughs> The classic Game of Thrones scene of um, just King Viserys with this nasty wound on his back. And I mean, you gotta love HBO and their they willingness. They just go right into it. You don't and, even know what they're and, No, they just, they come in and you're just like, that doesn't look. You want to know some of the funny things that uh, I was looking at, like watching it and I was flipping through Twitter while I was watching it and they're like, Dr. Pimple Popper would have known what that was (laughs) and everything at that point. And it's like, it's just this wound that they can't get to heal on him. And uh, Otto, the hand of the king and the maester are having a conversation of like, hey, we need to keep this quiet, whatever it may be. And it seems like they agree on cauterizing the wound is the only way forward um, because it's not healing. So. If you don't know what cauterizing is, they're basically going to burn his back to heal this wound and close it up. And I mean, it's nasty. This dude is like scraping the pus off of his back to send back to. Um, sorry for anyone that's trying to eat right yeah. now listening to this. <laughs> to send it back to like, I don't know, get studied by other maesters so they could try to like, where do you send a sample in Game of Thrones? Like, I guess you keep it and hope for the best. Like. I don't know. It was just kind of weird how they were doing that. What was his name? I'm sure he would have known was Sam, Sam Tarly. Sam Tarly. Well, that was, I think yeah, yeah, he, that, probably, he probably read an entire book about this exact scene. So, well, but they're going to like, where did Sam went and studied with a maester? So they're sending it back to that place. I can't remember what the name of it is. The grand maester, the grand maester stuff the, where they trained, where they trained. Be yeah. A grand, grand. Yeah. So they're sending maester. it back there because they're like, we don't, we, we don't know. Like we have no idea what this nasty thing is on your back. Um, so we know at least King Viserys is not the healthiest at the moment with this open flesh wound. And it doesn't look like it's impossible, uh, prosperous. So it doesn't, it's not like they've been in battle. This is just like a wound he got. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So after we see these like sickening wounds, um, he decides that this would be a good time to go uh, talk to my wife in the bathtub while she's got a baby. Like and touch her with my hands after these wounds have been like all well, over that the place. Doesn't seem like a doesn't seem like a good thing for you. No, no, it doesn't seem like someone with an open sore wound should be anywhere near a woman that's about to have a child at that time. But anyway, they have a weird conversation here, and it's almost like it's not almost like it is. Uh, Queen Emma basically apologizing to the king that she cannot have, like, she is not going to be able to have another child. This is her last time. She's apologizing because she hasn't given him a male heir. She's had five children in 10 years, and only one of them has survived, which, and all the other ones have been stillbirths or some other complications, which is Rainier is the only one that survived so far. And rather than comforting his wife and, and doing what a normal person would want to do, he's like, Oh no, this one's a boy. I know it because I had a dream and I had a dream that he was wearing King Aegon's helm helmet when he was born. And, I'm like, I don't think that's what your wife wanted to hear as she's like spilling her heart to you of how much she feels like she has not accomplished her royal duty, as she puts it, of giving you. You know what I was thinking heir. about the entire time I watched this scene? Can I just t- tell <laughs> you ahead, what I was yeah. thinking about? I was thinking about how, you know, they always talk about the woman needs to give him an heir and you hear this in all these shows, but come to find out, as we know now, the male basically decides the sex of the baby. Like, it's more on us than it is yeah. on our Well, our obviously, wife, right? if we so. don't have the dream, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So it just it was just really so I was weird just laughing. But again, I think this is another thing where, like, the king just doesn't want to have difficult conversations like he doesn't want to have heart to hearts with anybody. Um, so yeah, super awkward scene. And then we get to the gore. Now we get to the gore, man. Damon and his gold cloaks. I have seen some nastiness in Game of Thrones. This scene was rough. They are. Honestly, I had to watch it twice because I didn't even understand why I just jumped into it. Oh, yeah. So basically, he's there with the gold cloaks. He's rally crying them, and they're going into King's Landing to kill murderers and rapists and everything that they can find that's in there that's bad with the lo- like. Did they have a Rolodex? How did they how did they wrangle up all they these did people? This, they did this so quickly Dude, that I don't know how they knew who they were killing. They were cutting off cocks. They were sticking knives up butts. They were chopping hands off. They had to bring in a cart to carry off the dismemberment that happened. And Damon and these guys just slaughtered people, which really set the stage for Damon's character. Like, I think solidified what we were thinking. He is not a good man. Maybe we don't know. We'll go forward, but he's prone to violence. He's okay with the violence. 
where his brother has been standoffish because we had the conversation with Coralis. I don't want to get involved with the pirates. Well, I think Damon would get involved. Like Damon's not going to have a problem with going to war after he just hopefully wrangled up the right people because we don't know how they found any of these people. But um, if you were pointed at and said you were a murderer, you got killed. If you're a rapist, you got a knife stuck up your butt. Like uh, that was going to happen. And they were, they were just getting rid of the bad in the city. Um, so needless to say, after all of this <laughs> gore in this scene, and they did, they just rounded them up in the square and just slaughtered them. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, no remorse here. It was just straight. We're good. We're in the gold cloaks. We're just going to kill them. So from there, we move into, um, the king's council again and we're kind of walking in and Otto is kind of catching the king up on what Damon did that night because the king still didn't even know he was there yet like he, he definitely didn't even know my one thing that has been confusing me here and then we'll get into like what they talk about what the hell is the deal with the marbles on the table they like like so like you they have this know. giant table and they have to stick this marble in a cup and they all bring like their it's not like a cup it's like a plate but is it like the talking conch like if i hand you like you can only talk if you have, if you have this the marble lord of the, lord lord of the flies. flies like 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 you can only sit at the table if you have one of these no as as we yeah i don't know I do want to point out as, as we go into this and, and talk about this conversation we're about to have, um, I know we kind of misspoke earlier. The gold cloaks are, are technically the city watch, which is oh, the not city the watch, same not as, the king's guard, which is not the same as the king's guard. The city king's watch, guard city watch. And Damon is Lord Commander of the city. The watch, city watch. Or, yep, you're right. I misspoke there. Part. Not the king's guard. That's correct. The king's has his own guard. Uh, that is that is run by Sir Her- Harold. Yeah, that, and the there. city watch is basically imagine like uh, the like police officers, the police versus yeah. the ministry, ministry of defense or yeah. something like that. So, so Damon just slaughters everybody. They come in, they're not happy. Um, and and here we go again with the king just kind of brushing it off. Like, well, like they're bad mouthing Damon because remember in the first scene with the council, he's not there in his seat. Yeah. And they're bad-mouthing Damon to the king, which is the king's brother, as they're walking into the council room, and lo and behold, look who's sitting at his seat Well, Otto specifically. So it's the, the hand of the king specifically talking bad about him. Everyone else is there. And yeah, Damon's sitting in his seat right next to his king across from Otto. And um, Dave, I just, I start to like Damon's character even more here, where... Um, so basically, Damon has not been around a while, but he also hasn't been visiting his wife. So there's this big thing about his wife and not having an heir, and his wife is in the Vale. And the Vale is where Catelyn Stark's sister was, the crazy lady with the skyport. Listen, the, not the Skyport. The crazy lady that was breastfeeding her son until he was like thirty years old or something. Well, that's yeah, but that, ma- but that's the veil. But that's also the, that that castle 
that she was in is the in the oh, veil yeah. that I has understand. the cool sky part. But yes, the breastfeeding lady. The breastfeeding is <laughs> okay. the most memorable. That's what I wrote. I was trying not to just go right into that, James. We've got enough going on. But yes, the the lady that's breastfeeding her like nine year old son still. Um, so the veil is not known. And as they're talking about like the women, the, the Damon's joking of the sheep look better than his wife. And that's why everyone in the veil fucks sheep. And he ends up going to Otto, and he's like, well, if you care about it so much, you can have my wife Otto. Didn't yours just die? Yeah. And that did not sit well with Otto. Otto's pissed and he stands up and like I thought they were gonna like go at it there like it looked like they were about to fight like Otto wanted to fight Damon right there but rather than the king being like Damon don't talk about his wife that way the king just like looks at the hand he's like Otto why do you let him stir you up like you know it's his game and Matt Smith has the greatest grin on his face like he knows he's gonna get away with anything because his brother will not do a damn thing to him well remember you've talked about this twice already where the king is always he doesn't like difficult conversations again so what i have it funny is that everyone's complaining about what damon did and the king's like you otto made me make him in charge of the city watch because yeah. you said that's the only place we could put him. So now because he's doing the city watch and actually punishing these criminals, they are criminals at the end of the day, they are murderers, rapists. Yeah. Well, all these we things. think the king is, well, we think, yeah, but the king is just kind of like, he just do what we asked him to do. Well, he's also, well, he did he's say, like, what? he did say, don't do that again. And Damon looks at him like, yes, my lord. And it's yeah. just with that smirk of like, fuck it, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. Um, the only one there that agrees, that really agrees with what Damon was doing. And, and his whole thing of Damon said why he did it was because they're having this tournament and everyone doesn't think King's Landing is safe. So he went out to make it safe for everyone coming to the tournament. Yeah. Do you want all of these lords and people coming here and getting raped and stolen and everything? Well, we took care of it. We just killed them all. So now you don't have any people stealing or raping or anything like that because I killed them all and we're good to have this tournament. And Coralis is the only one there like, yeah, sounds like a good idea. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm down. I mean, you could uh, you could clearly say it was an excuse for Damon, but he was Cor able to but Coralis in a good way. Coralis is definitely one that is okay with war and cares that people are dying. Like Coralis definitely cares because of what's going on with in the beginning of the pirates and and the crab feeder and his his people are dying. Um, Westerosian men are dying, and he's upset about that. Where Damon, I don't think values life the same way that Coralis does. I think that murdering people was just fun for him. Um, so I think there's a little bit of a dynamic there. And then we cut to another classic HBO scene. Oh, the most... just they just it was it was what the dragon first, then it was the the thing on the back with the like the yeah. infections, and then it was the gore with the thing. The and then thing, what is and, the thing they're missing? And now we got we have to have the, and I will point out we have to have the doggy style sex scene 
Because that's the only way. Yeah, that's the only way that Westerosian men have sex is doggy style in every episode. The worst sex scene of all time with HBO because Damon just looks angry and pissed off and upset and is acting literally like a little child here. And he just like walks away from her. It was like. King Joffrey trying to pull off his, oh his, my God. his best his best Jason Momoa. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and I'm just like, was this scene necessary, HBO? <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> well, it, it didn't even have a point. I well, guess just to make sure you un- you understood well, she's the whore. It introduced her character. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. As the whore. And everyone's Are watching. They- like you, you start with like all these eyes peering through, watching them. I guess they're waiting just in case they're called in. I don't know. Um, but then he's just like upset, and he goes underneath the towel, like I guess, he, and he goes under this like towel, like just cowering little baby. And I think that's kind of what the scene was supposed to show, is that Damon's this big bad character, but then he cowers in the arms of a of a horror, basically. When, when, he's, when he's off duty. And we don't know who this person is, but obviously he has some kind of relationship with her beyond just being a whore. Um, so it, it was just like, come, I, we could have done without this scene. Um, I thought it was funny. It was funny, but I'm just like, if, if you cut that out, it, not, it, like nothing changes in this episode. Well, then it's not a Game of Thrones show. True. Well, no, there's another scene later that we get to that's Game of Thrones. Oh, um, that one was even better. Yeah. <laughs> then we move on to the games. And I want to say this might have been the greatest action sequence jousting scenes that I have seen in any movie. They put so much time in this. Like, I was into this. Like, watching it and the brutality and everything that was going on in this scene in general. I just loved it. I mean, I absolutely loved the, the whole jousting fighting scenes. I don't know if you felt the same way. Um, I would like you to dial it back a little bit, sir, with respect to Heath Ledger. Okay. I love that movie. I didn't get any, we will rock you. Okay. Okay. I didn't get hyped up here. So a A night's tale is a little bit different. (laughs) <laughs> than what we saw here, but I will give you that a Knight's Tale did have some good jousting in it, um, but just no, not this was, as this good was, as this. This was phenomenal. I felt like I was at medieval times, man. I was getting into it. Let's go, just with a lot more blood. Yeah, it does get, uh, and I don't know how much you're going to go into this, but I did think it. I mean, maybe that maybe that's how the tournaments are in jousting. I don't know the history of 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 these things, but when no. it just like. A, a guy wins, and then they're like, "Well, eff it! I know you beat me fair and square, but now we're gonna fight to the death." Like, I just yeah, I guess you're allowed to do that. I don't know, but anyway, you're um, like, I don't, I don't accept your victory. No. So now I will fight. My, you uh, <laughs> my my whole thing. I had some notes here of just like amazing action, great production. Uh, you can tell they had a bigger budget. Like, like they had all those extras there. They're cutting to the crowd. Like you got to see everything going on and Damon being who he is. And he's part of the tournament. 
he's a, he's in the jousting tournament, gets to choose his first opponent. And who does who does the old Damon decide to choose? Who does he decide to choose? He chooses Otto Hightower's son. And if you couldn't get any more of like, I'm just here to piss you (laughs) off, Otto, 100%, he picks his son. Now, his son gets him the first time through when the jousting nails him. And again, I don't know the rules of jousting, but Damon does this like spin move off the side of the horse. He doesn't fall off the horse. He does a spin move and takes the horse's legs out. And man, I thought Otto Hightower's son was dead. But then you see him move and he's definitely very, very maimed from this. Knocks him off the horse, uh, hurts the horse, and like his face is just covered in blood. Because he goes face over into it. Yeah, no, what I thought was really interesting, though... You, you know, we teased, we joked a little bit about Knight's Tale and all that, but in Knight's Tale, they would go, you talked about the action being crazier in this, they would go, and then if they would have a pass, and then they would, like, talk to their little hype person. Oh, the squire, no, they just suit. grab another this lance. This was like, you grab another lance, and you immediately go yeah. right back into it. And Damon, like, knocks his squire down grabbing the lance. Like, he doesn't even care. Like, he, this kid gets trampled by a horse while he's over there. Um... So then after Damon knocks Otto's son off the horse, bloodied, they got to carry him off. He walks over to the side and Rhaenyra and Alicent are standing there and he asks Alicent for her favor. And she turns around like a giddy little girl. This knight wants my favor. And her dad is just staring at her. Yeah. Like the death stare of all death stares and playing the right part. Allison grabs her favor, even though her father isn't happy about it and puts it on to the Lance of, um, Damon. Now I skipped over this part, but we need to kind of go back to the whole favor thing. The, when we first joined the fight, you have princess Rhaenys who walks in who was the other heir to the throne back when Viserys was chosen. They call her the queen. That and never we find was. out they call her the queen that never was. And I don't think she's too happy about that. Um, so that was very interesting there. That's where we learn what they call her of the queen that never was. Um, so that'll mean something as we move forward. Then we cut to... That we're kind of cutting back and forth between the jousting scenes and the baby's coming. Like she's in labor. Uh, it's coming. And King Viserys had a dream. I have a dream that I'm going to have a male son. Like he knows it and he's all happy. Uh, but we turn to find out that he goes in and the baby is breached. Um, and if you don't know what that is, or you haven't had kids, um, the child is facing the wrong way. So babies have to come out head first. This child is feet first and you have to be able to flip the child over in order to, for him to be born. And it seems like the maesters and the 97 wet nurses that they have there that are all around 
cannot get the child to flip. And Emma is in obvious pain and things are just not going well. Now, my my daughter um, was not breached, but she was what's called sunny side up, which means she was flipped over the opposite position. And we had to go through a little bit of the same thing of trying to get her to turn over. You know, she ends up turning over and everything is fine. But um, when I heard that, I kind of, you know, for me, definitely got emotional really fast of remembering when we kind of went not not breach, which is as bad as that is. But remembering that, like, doctor coming to me and saying, well, you know, she's not in the right position. Like, we're going to have to figure out what we're going to do. And there's a complication of the umbilical cord could get wrapped around when she flips. Like, having that fear inside of you of like, oh, shit. This could go bad and one of two things could happen. Um, I lose a child or I lose a child and my wife or everything's great, you know, and it, when it works and it flips over, but this is game of Thrones. Things don't happen. Great. So having like sat there and had gotten kind of news like that, like I definitely was like, Oh, Oh man. Um, so then we kind of go back to the fighting and we have this interesting conversation between Coralus and the queen that never was on how you're seeing this brutality. And like, I mean, you're even seeing the children that are sitting in there. And I kind of want to point out like Emma is like grinding her fingernails and picking them to where they bleed from all the violence they're seeing squires are throwing up on the side, but they had this conversation of like, this is the only bloodlust that they've ever seen. None of these knights have seen battle. They're just, they're just tournament knights. They're not real warrior knights. And none of these guys have seen what a battlefield looks like. Um, so I thought that was interesting. You know, they have, they're having this conversation and they look bored. Like these two have seen war and they're bored with all everything that's in front of them because that's eh, just people fighting. Like, why do we do this? Why do we entertain ourselves this way? I almost got that feel between yeah. Coralus and the queen that was there. Like we, we have war to be our bloodshed. Why do we need this blood sport here at the same time? Yeah. So then we go back to the queen's birth and the maester pulls King Viserys aside and basically um, gives him an ultimatum, really. Like, you're either going to lose both or you, we can try to save your son. That's, or I shouldn't say son, child at this point. Because they don't know. Because they don't know. They're, they're not sure. <clears throat> This might have been one of the most horrifying scenes I think I've ever seen in a show. Yeah. Well, I, I really like how the maester tries to subtly say it. He says, he says, you know, uh, during a difficult birth, it becomes necessary for the father to sometimes make a difficult or poss impossible choice. And the king is just kind of like, well, what are you talking about? Just get to the point. Like he starts to get frustrated because they, they're trying to like, lay it out there gently and he's just like tell me what you're talking yeah. about and then he does go into it so here's where like I, I i really learned that i hate the king like like this is the turning point of my like i i 
I am now solidified that you are a weak king because he doesn't even go over and explain the situation to his wife. At I'm all. with you on that. I, I I understand making the choice, but I feel like he says nothing to her. He basically says everything's going to be okay. It's fine. We're good. Like again, doesn't want to have a hard conversation. And now, by all means, this is the hardest that you're ever going to have. But Which he doesn't even to die regardless. Regardless, he doesn't even comfort her with like, we cannot save you. We have to make a choice and they don't even, he doesn't make the choice with her. Like he just chooses. And the way they shot this scene still like, I like had to skip over it as I, I, like the second time I watched it of them just grabbing her, holding her and the way they drag her down on the bed. And that's the moment she understands what's going on. And she's just screaming, no, don't and do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. And he gives her no comfort. None. Now, can we, can we keep in mind, this is a back and forth scene as well. So it it's is. adding way more bloodshed if so you want to jump into that. We also, so as they're doing that, we're jumping back to Damon fighting. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Chris, Chris something. Is that Cole? Christian Cole. Christian Cole. Chris, Christian Cole or something like that. Yeah, Cole. Yeah. Um, so he's fighting and Damon is getting his butt kicked because he just got dehorsed by him. Sir Kristen Cole. Sir Kristen Cole. Cole. Yeah. yeah. He's getting dehorsed by him. And now he does what you were saying. Like, no, we're going to fight. Like, I, I don't care. We're ending this as a fight. And he's beating him down. Like, he's beating Damon. And you see... Renea is really uh, worried because, you know, she reveres Damon as like this great warrior in my mind, and she's watching him get pummeled. Now, they don't, he doesn't kill him. Damon has to give up and basically. He gives the the, the king, um, or the, the Damon, a chance to yield. Yeah, and Damon takes it. And, you know, this whole time we're switching back between this fight and basically this medieval C-section that they're about to do to cut this baby out of the womb. And you go back to the scene and you see the maester holding the child and telling the king that it's a boy. But he's crying the baby's crying and then all of a sudden the baby stops crying and it sounds kind of like a gargle and you're like watching the maester's face and he's not very happy like he looks very concerned um and then we cut basically to renea kind of finding out and all the people that were sitting around the king at the tournament uh, are finding out that the queen i believe is like not doing well and has died and you get the look on Renee's face that the queen has died. Um, and we cut to the, I guess you call it the burial scene. Uh, Cause they don't bury the bodies. They burn them. Um, and you have the queen wrapped up on top of this pyre that they're going to burn. 
and it's slowly and I love the choice. They kind of slowly go down and you see the small bundle child. And I, I had to, I'm watching this with my buddy. Like I mentioned, we, we were like, wait, is that a baby? Like we're like, what happened? Like yeah. you thought like, Oh, all he's going to have is there. You thought the air was there. This thing, and and then, they just like threw it in there like subtly. Yeah. And the child, his son died. So his heir has his son that he's always wanted and had the dream about died and you have all of the you know king's court there and renea and his and her father is not even near her standing well away from her um damon is the one closest to her and trying to comfort her and kind of walks up to her and like hey your father needs you now um he even says he needs you now more than more ever. than ever to her. Which so I thought was a complete contradiction to what Damon had been building up to to his character at the time. And th- that's where, you know, I cut back, cut back to saying like, okay, this is a really awkward scene between the two in the beginning. But then this scene kind of solidified for me that Damon is a true loving uncle to her. And, and he he has her and his family's best interest in mind, even if he doesn't agree with the direction that they're going. I feel like Damon does feel for his family, and and, and is there for that. She's super upset. And she's sh- she's super angry. Like she's just basically saying, "I hope my father was happy for those few hours my brother lived that he finally had a son." Yeah, and, and she's um, very angry. So then she steps forward and we have the the dragon standing over top again that we have our second dragon in this episode and she steps forward and uses one of the most famous lines I'll let you say it. you say it James. No, you go no, ahead. No, I need you. I need you to do it. I, I'm not worthy of it. No, I am definitely not worthy of it. And, and she, she, I, I had chills. The Danny vibe there yeah, was so was. high. The dragon walks down and sets the pyre on fire. And it was just very like. Just bringing it all together at the end here. And, you know, her anger and sadness was just summed up by this dragon's fireball. And even the dragon looks sad. Did you see like yeah. the facial expressions on the dragon? Like. The other dragons never had any facial expression. This dragon definitely looked upset that it was there. Like it knew what was going on. It knew that her dragon, it almost felt like the dragon knew it's dragon rider was upset because he didn't want to walk down there or he, she, I don't know, didn't want to walk down there and, and do this, but he did it because he was told, you know, the dragon was told to do it. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, so we finish this scene and we kind of go into the King's council. I thought it's just, it made me laugh oh, and I, angry. It all made at the me same so time. Ang- like, I was like, what this a bunch is of the ki- one bunch of assholes. But here's the thing. There is a serious security issue in this council's area because they're here talking about how terrible Dame, all of them 
because now Damon is solidified that this child died, the his wife died, there are no more heirs coming. Damon's next in line. Like they're legitimate. Like we cannot have Damon next in line. There's no way. And they are just like shitting on Damon to the king. And Damon standing right behind them. Listening to everything they're saying. Have a guard do a walkthrough. Yeah. Like, like, it's not like he's far from them. He's right behind them. <coughs> I don't understand <laughs> how you could not know he was there. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the queen just died. His son died. And they're basically like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, King? Who's going to be the heir? It can't be Damon. And, it can't be Damon. Having this they're having this argument, and he's not saying a word, really. He's just sitting there. No, his him. wife and son just died. Like, this is the one time where I don't blame the king for not wanting to have the conversation. Like, let him process. Let him process a little bit. King gets pissed, obviously, and gets up and leaves. Um... And I just like, again, I just can't believe that it's just like he, Damon's standing there listening to it. But here's what's interesting is why he's listening. The king is basically saying, what are you, what's wrong with you guys? My brother has no interest in the throne. He, he doesn't believe his brother's yeah. interest. He, he, blames the, he blames Otto, his hand, on you. he was master of coin. You're he stepping ahead there. Like You're that. stepping ahead there. Okay, go ahead. You're stepping into a, a different... A different scene for that one no it's right here at the corner. oh no oh no you're right i'm sorry before you were jumping ahead this one is where yeah. he says you yeah he, he's, says, he basically he says, said you go ahead he said i made him master of law you said he was a tyrant then i made him master of coin you said he was spendthrift yeah. and he would beggar the realm and you told me to auto as the hand you said your solution was to make him in charge of the city watch and now you're using the city watch saying how he's doing it is the reason he's this tyrant and he's got this loyal, these loyal subjects, an army, what, 2,000 strong, I think. And he could, he's, what is he going to do? Kill me? He, the king is like, what is he going to do? He's going to kill me. He's coming after the throne. Yeah, like, is he, he going to slip my throat in my sleep? He doesn't have the patience for it. Yeah, he doesn't have the patience. Damon. And Damon's listening to all of this. And I, and I do think Damon, well, I think there was one line in there. It was no... No man has never, no man has never been patient enough for total power or something like that. I'm butchering yeah. that. Um, so they're all saying like, "Oh no, King, he is patient enough." There's no man that wouldn't wait for having total power. Um, so then we cut to Otto Hightower's uh, quarters. We hadn't seen the hand of the king's quarters, and he's writing a letter to send back to his hometown. I'm assuming just letting them know like what's going on. Um, and his daughter, Allison walks in and he, you know, hugs her, asks her how she's doing. Um, he asks her how R Renea is doing. And, you know, she answers like anyone, like, you know, her mother just died. It's going to take time for her. Um, and then he immediately becomes my most hated character of the entire series. 
Because he just pimps out his daughter. Because he pimps out his daughter right then and there for the king. <clears throat> he basically says, it, it, it wasn't the fact. So everyone's now playing the game of knowing the king is going to have to remarry at some point. He needs an heir. So <clears throat> Otto's not stupid. And he basically says, um, sends his daughter to the king's chamber. But the part that killed me was the right second the comment, end. right at the end, where he looks at her and says, and you should wear one of your mother's dresses. Yeah, you her might wear one of your mother's dresses. mother's dresses. To Who go we've pimp come out, to find out must have just recently passed. Recently passed. To- recently passed. Pimping out his daughter. Immediate hatred. Like, I have a daughter. So, like, all this stuff is just hitting super home for me with this. And it's like, you mother, like, just straight up, how are you doing? Okay, and by the way, uh, can you go to the king's quarters and keep him company? And wear one of your dead mother's dresses. Like, that, that's, that's what I need you to do. And Allison, being Allison, plays the role. Um, so you then get this, uh, you, get, you go to the king's quarters next. And he's sitting in front of this just massive bottle structure like yeah. model Stone city of sculpture sculpture of um old valeria so he's like he's like playing with his models in his room and and i almost like take this back to like damon just going to his whore and cowering in the in in the blanket and here he is like the, this child just building his models um, not there's anything wrong with building models. I build models, but it's just kind of weird to see this king doing this at this time. And Alicent walks in and she's like, I brought a book. I know you like the history. And Emily, very innocent. I yeah, will admit. Very innocent. And Emily Carey plays this character wonderful. Alicent, she says everything she needs to say. She tries, even though she knows she's walking into this awkward situation, she really puts the king at ease, listens to him, is interested in what he's saying. Um, you know, it was such a, a innocent thing to say, hey, I brought you a book here. And there's one line that she has in there, and, and uh, you may have it, and I'm going to butcher it, where... She talks to him about when her mother died, everybody wanted to talk to me in riddles. And what I really wanted was someone just to say they were sorry. And she just looks at him, says he's, she's sorry that this happened to him. And I just think it was just a wonderful way for her to be in this terrible, awkward situation for a girl of what we can guess is what, 14, 15, I think 14 or 15. Because we're like yeah. 15 years old is what she's supposed to be. Um, so, yeah, uh, again. And then we get back to our last Game of Thrones classic scene. We're back to the brothel. We're back to the brothel. And. Well. It's full on brothel. It's full on brothel, man. There's an orgy going on. So I couldn't focus on this scene and not because of the brothel and all the sex that was happening or anything like that. So Marsala, Marsara, I think Marsara, which, which is, is the whore, Damon's whore, Damon's whore, which is obviously his girlfriend. 
more than a whore, obviously, here now, is kind of compelling him to give a speech. Um, and, and he's trying to compel this speech out of Damon to everybody. And we're kind of um, in this episode here. Now, can I just point out while he's giving his speech, my my the part that I just I literally busted out laughing. I so think it's the same starts, part that I I'm gonna he, I was wanted to bring to up. Speak. The guy in the middle. <laughs> the, the camera pans <laughs> around the room and dead center on this like platform of the brothel. The only this way this guy is this guy of course is doggy style with this girl, but he's like. He Pause. turns around. He stopped and turned around. Everyone stopped, but no one like, like he didn't. He didn't. Like he no. got modest. He just he's like no, 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 pump, and he's just <laughs> waiting there. So like one, this guy's turned around backwards, looking, and and she's just stuck there on all fours with her head turned about, looking, and it's just like this is the most awkward thing. And I, like, that's what I was saying. I couldn't focus on what was actually happening here because of that dude in the middle. And I'm like, come on, Game of Thrones. Like, what are we doing here? But his speech was very important. Speech was very important. So I thought this was the spot where he gives, like, goes at Otto about all the different stuff. But really... Well, he he does say, do you, do you want to talk about what Damon says in this speech? Yeah. Yeah, so he go does ahead. say he does say here... Um, it talks about being the heir, he said, but dream and pray as they all might. It seems I'm not so easily replaced. Then he goes on to say, the gods give just as the gods take away. And, and then he toasted to Prince Balin, which was the name of the, the name king's of son. the king's son. And it comes out that who had obviously just died and had just died. And, and it turns out that he had also made the statement of an heir for a day. Yes. And that, that kind of sticks of, we are going to toast to King Balin, the heir for a day. And that gets back to the King's council. And the King is told of what Damon had done. And the King is furious um, of that, which I think it's rightfully so of him to be mad at his brother for that. And he summons his brother, to the throne room. And, and this it's the, is the first shot we get really of the of king the king on sitting the on the throne. And uh this throne is very different. You have it behind you there. Um I know George R. R. Martins was very upset with the way the throne looked in the original Game of Thrones. It wasn't like gnarly enough imagined. and what he imagined and what the books kind of say, but I think this one, since he was uh you know, he wrote part of this episode and was very involved with with this, uh, I think this throne kind of feels more like the throne because you got all the swords that are just lining it, and the closer you get to the king, the more swords just kind of engulf you. And there's swords keep in everywhere. Mind, they're able, they're able to do this really easily because we are going way back to yeah. when it wasn't as run down, like you had mentioned before. We're seeing it in its glory. Well, the red, the red keep was never super run down, so it was still really built at that point. But you can see how kings over the years may have removed. True, they may have changed stuff. So we're seeing this yeah. as a Targaryen sitting on the throne. Um, and basically he asked Damon, like, "Did you say it?" 
Did you say air for a day? And Damon and he said, does make Damon refer to him as as King. your your grace. Your grace. Yeah. This is the first time. And oh yeah, because he basically says, I'll have my king's guard cut your tongue out or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's the first time we actually do see the king not seem so weak. No, not seem very weak. Um and then they kind of have this back and forth brother conversation tossle of how Damon feels his brother never respected him, never wanted him, never made him the hand of the king. And that's what his brother wanted. And he said, why, you know, his, his Viserys is like, why would I ever do something like that? And his brother's like, so I can protect you. And he's like, from who? He's like, yourself, because you're weak. And that was just kind of like the final straw for his brother. And, um, Vasaris banishes him. He tells him to go back to the Vale. Back to his wife. Go back to his wife and get out of here. And he never wants to see him again. Um, so then you kind of cut to afterwards, you know, I, I, this is where I'm like, okay, this is this going to end? And then we get like another scene after this. Um, well, they argue about Otto Hightower, which I think is important too. Yes, I they do talk about away. Otto. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go, go ahead and go they, and give he, him that. He's, he's, he says, you know, what, you know, when you talked about he wanted to be the hand of the king and he didn't make his brother, he, he's talking about the, the, their, they should be, their blood runs deep and they should be together. And he says, Damon says, I see Otto Hightower for what he is. The king replies, an unwavering and loyal hand question. And Damon immediately responds, a cunt. A cunt. And, yeah. and basically says he's a second son who stands to inherit himself. He doesn't seize. And then the king argues back saying that Otto Hightower is a more honorable man but, than Damon ever could be. But Otto did Damon just send argue, his, he just sent his daughter to him yeah. right after something happened. And so. that's where they go into who do I need protected yeah. from? And Damon says yourself. And, and that's kind of yeah. how they go. And then this is when the king like. And I, and I have to agree that. You know, Otto was, he's the second son of somebody that was the hand of the king and he's making his move because, you know, he immediately, he's doing it in a, a very sly way, way, seductive way sly. Yeah, to, and, and making the king feel like it's his decision. And, and this is where I think you start to learn. You talked about the daughter always knows no matter who she's around, what to say, when to yep. say it, do it. It's very clear. For maybe even not even her understanding that her father has trained her in this way. Absolutely. Or, or just And you I know. do believe he's basically Or I feel like I feel daughter. like Allison like Allison gives me a lot of Sansa vibes. She knows what to say to stay alive and to stay in the game right now. And I don't know how Allison turns out or what we're gonna go forward, but I get Sansa vibes from her. Um not Sansa like younger where she's just like, oh, I want to just marry the king and Older. all that. Sansa after the Joffrey issues where she yeah, learns that she has to play to a game. Tyrion, Tyrion and she's got to play a game. Yeah. And she's starting to learn how to play that game that's here. Um, so then you cut to the Dragon Keep. Um, and they're in there and they have this giant, massive dragon head. And I, um, I'm not sure which dragon that is but it's, it's one of the largest that was ever. And I believe Viserys rode this dragon at one point. It was his dragon um, that they're in front of there. I believe they mentioned that um, 
it was like mentioned somewhere earlier in the episode. But he keeps asking her, you know, what does she see? What does she see? And that, um, you know, she sees just them in the dragons without the dragons. They're nothing special. They're just people at that point. And he says something kind of interesting that I, I thought was kind of contradictory to what I thought, where he says, we do not control the dragons. It's an illusion. It's an illusion. And, and that blew that's up. I was what, like, oh, I'm interested to see. Where and he's like, that's now. what brought down old Valyria. So like this illusion that we control the dragons, that we think we can control them as riders and everything is not true. They're, they're thinking on their own. They're doing their own thing. And if they don't, if, you know, if they want to turn on us, they can. And then... But they do have power because everyone truly does believe that they can. They believe the that. And it's an illusion. And it feels like he's giving they, away the secrets. And, and, and yes. And, and you start to feel like, oh, something big's about to happen yeah. here because he is giving away trade secrets. And but what I, I immediately I, I had to pause it. And again, this was a, I mean, look how much we've talked over an hour now. This episode has so much information. That sometimes yeah. I had to just slow down and process what they were saying. And I was like, wow. So basically he's admitting that you don't have to be a t- like anybody could come down here and learn how could get a dragon could train with the dragon could control the dragon just as much as we do because we don't have this magical power that everyone thinks that we have that no. we're the only ones that can control but the i think it's kind of interesting too because right in the beginning of this scene that you also see him with his hand over top of the flame of because there's there's a candle light and he's got his hand over the flame for what just seems like a little bit too long to where it should be burning him. So they kind of still bring in this myth of the Targaryens are you know, immune to fire where we have like the Danny walking out of the fire and everything that mm-hmm. we've had before. So you kind of get that here. Um, but then to be like, we don't control them. Uh, I think that was crazy. And then he says, you know, you're the very best of your mother. Um, and he had wasted uh, so many years wanting a male heir that he never gave her the true time um, or anything there. And he basically tells her he's going to name her the next heir to the throne. And we kind of get these scenes that are cutting back and forth between him talking to her and them getting her all dressed up. Um, but then he drops another kind of cultural bond, a bomb that only the Targaryens know about this dream. Um, and what is, what is the dream called James? What is this dream the, that Aegon Targaryen um, had? The, I don't remember what the dream was called, but basically really? they're, alluding to, they're alluding to the, the song sorry, of I, ice I and fire. The song of, yeah. The so they're first book's name. To the winter is coming. Yeah. So he says that a winter is going to be coming and only a Targaryen can sit on the throne to defeat this. Now, here's where like my Game of Thrones lore and this lore start to break. Because but we he know does say, he does say you must promise to carry it. Yeah. But but here's the thing. One. Did you notice the dagger that was he was holding the whole time? Uh, I may have missed this. So while he's walking around, he has a dagger 
that is right in the front of his um suit there. It's the dagger Arya used. Oh yeah, yeah, correct. So he has this dagger because we always we never knew where this dagger kind of came from. So can, he's holding can we Yo, go ahead, go ahead. He's holding onto this dagger. Um, so we kind of see where that is. But the thing that breaks this down for me is where he says a Targaryen must sit on the throne. Well, our Targaryen wasn't on the throne when they killed the uh, Night King. Because um, a Lannister was on the throne at the time. Danny hadn't even gotten there yet. And then Danny never sat on the throne because Jon killed her. So, like, here's where this prophecy, and, the, and that's, I want to bring that up because George R.R. R. Martin has said prophecies are an interesting, fickle thing in dreams. So dreams aren't always what they say and what they mean, and the, the, the world takes them as gospel when they're really not, and they kind of change over time. So that's, like, I want to point out, like, we're hearing this song of ice and fire, and guys, really, the song of ice and fire, who names their fucking dreams? Like, yeah. come on, that was just the name drop that they're trying to do there. And can, no, go ahead, because I want to go through this scene. No, go, go, go. Take okay, it away. So what I find interesting, and we talk about comparing this with Game of Thrones, is is I'm, I'm scrubbing through the episode here. It says, um, he talks about this dream. He said, ambition alone is not what drove him to conquest. Uh, it goes on, it says, it was a dream. And just as Danis foresaw the end of Valeria, Aegon foresaw the end of the world of men. And then it cuts back to the king and he says, tis to begin with a terrible winter. So there's a cool cut scene and right he says, there. Gusting out of the distant north. And then boom, it switches scenes. Cuts. And the next person you see is I, Rickon Stark. Yep. So Rickon Stark taking Lord the Lord of Winterfell. Um, and then it cuts back. It says Aegon saw absolute darkness riding on those winds. So it cuts back and forth and you get your first look at the house of Stark and it's Recon, which yep. we know in the history. And, and it's going back and forth between her as she's, you well, know, we meet, we meet one other family during that time too, from game of Thrones, right after Rickon is a Baratheon. So we see yeah, the Baratheons that, that are there yeah, as well. Because it goes on to say all of Westeros must all. stand again. A Targaryen must be seated, like you said. But we yeah. talk about how, how Martin says that uh, dreams can be fickle things. A king or queen unite them against the cold and the dark. Now, what's funny is we know, because obviously we've seen Game of Thrones. It happens, you know, 190 years later. But they don't know. 172. Well, 172 when and Danny's then, born. Yeah, they Danny's don't born. Know. Yeah, 190. So yeah, yeah, 190. So... So they, it could be five years from now or next year. They don't yeah. know. Aegon called his dream the Song of Fire and Ice. So Song of Ice and but Fire. This, this, this back and forth is. Um, yeah, and then we I, end, I we end the episode with Damon riding off on his dragon with uh, his girlfriend, Masara, and we're just left with this scene of Prince Rhaenyra turning around and staring at everybody with just this look of like, okay, the, the, you know, I'm next. And you kind of get this ending of like, all right, here we go. We're going to have this great arc. And they finally felt like at the end of this episode, we know who we're going to be focused on here. And it's going to be Princess Rhaenyra and most likely 
having some issues with her uncle. Like, we're probably going to see some issues with Damon. Damon's not going to just go away at this point. All right. This has been a super long episode. Thank you for everybody that's hung in there. Um, I'm Ender. We also have James here from the Last Choice Network podcast, and we're going to be going over and reviewing the House of the Dragon. Thank you for listening. This has been the first episode. I hope you enjoy it. Have a good night. All right.